Hey, and thanks for signing up for the Public Beta Podcast. It is Wednesday, May the 4th. Be with you, 2022. I hate Your host this week, myself, Lee and Reed. Hi. <laughs> we were just talking about how much you love Star Wars. Yeah, I fucking hate Star Wars now, bro. Like, it's all just... It's not even because I think it's bad. It's just, like, here's, like, every... Like, here's just Star Wars. It's nonstop. It's more unavoidable than the MCU. It's just, like, it's overloaded my circuits. I can't stand it. I... I I used to enjoy the video games above all else. Like, at a certain point, no matter what your feelings on Star Wars were, uh, or even the prequels, for that matter, but, like, something like Star Wars Racer, or, like, Force Unleashed, or, uh, you know, that kind of shit. That kind of shit always just kind of stood alone as just a, a good sci-fi video game. I can't even... I can't even get excited about, like, a jo- Jedi Fallen Order or anything like yeah, that cause anymore. Yeah, because you can't disassociate yourself from, like, the machine, right? Like... Well, it's because Star Wars can't disassociate itself with Star Wars. Like, it can't... It, 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 yeah. it You know, There's the Rich fight. Evans, yeah. it's a very shallow shallow thing. If it's not lightsabers and the Force and Jedis, it feels like it can't stand on its own when there's plenty of uh, examples over the years of something kind of spinning off on its own and being perfectly successful for Bounty, it. So, Star Wars Bounty Hunter, KOTAR, like, all these games. Even that, then, in Star Wars Bounty Hunter, you have to fight a Sith and et cetera, <laughs> so... Yeah, anyway. I, guess, I guess it's just Kotar. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm the only person who actually beat Star Wars Bounty Hunter. That game goes places <laughs> by the end of it. Yeah. Uh, that he has to, like he like fights he like gunfights a Sith, and then they're like, "You are the the person we should clone to make all, this whole army because you're you're very obviously uh, you're you know." They, they didn't realize that, oh, it doesn't matter what this person's capable of, their clones will not be them, and uh, then his head was chopped off by Mace Windu, so yeah, that's what right. are you going to do? Uh, enough Star Wars, enough talk. Uh, the weather is beautiful. Shorts on, shirts off, boys. We're, go- we're going to 20 degrees this week. Spring is finally here, so let's stay inside and talk about video games. We have so much news. Uh, that we have been putting off because we've just been talking about games we've been playing. Last week, uh, we talked about me finishing Elden Ring and kind of wrapped up our thoughts uh, on the plot, uh, the narrative of Elden Ring, if you will. We we could granularly get into Elden Ring at any point, but I think we're going to give it a break uh, and wait for Elden Ring to organically come back into the conversation for now. Do you agree? Yeah, sure. I don't care. Cool. Let me <laughs> talk about uh, the uh, uh, what I've uh, replaced Elden Ring with in my life, the hole left by the Elden Ring. Uh, I was playing Wonderlands, and I was having a good time with it. Then I hit a absolute wall of side quests and uh, writing. Uh, it just like, the character can't simply tell you, go do three of this, go get me five of that. Uh, there has to be extensive script work. Uh, that goes along with that, and to me, that's just like, is this how you think your game stands apart? Is you, you've you got this, what you consider witty writing, uh, and you're going to fucking put it in my face and I can't walk away from it. And that kind of soured me on Wonderlands for uh, for a moment. Uh, so I've, I've stepped away and went looking on the Game Pass uh, for some some kind of short-time experience uh, that I could get into just to, to cleanse the palate of Elden Ring. I, fa- I came upon a game called Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion. Sure. And uh, I, w- I was whisked away. Uh, this game is excellent. It's on Game Pass. It's on everything. I'm pretty sure it's on Switch, PlayStation, and uh, PC as well. It is a, stop me if you heard this, top-down, uh, puzzle solve kind of action, dodgy, Zelda-like, let's say, game. Uh, it's very short. It's maybe a couple hours long. Uh, the puzzles are very straightforward. You uh, obtain a bunch of different... It's basically the... 
uh, the relay quests from Zelda. It's the, you found this, give it to that person, he's going to give you that to give to this person kind of game. Uh, however, the writing, uh, unlike Wonderlands, uh, is is good. It's, it's uh, very to the point. Uh, the characters are fun. Uh, and then the plot actually goes somewhere. It uh, it spins off into why are there talking vegetables with faces? What's going on? Uh, and then spoiler alert: uh, you learn that you're basically in the far flung future post apocalypse of Earth, uh, where we have raised it to the ground and humans no longer exist. The dungeons you explore are like literally people's houses, and you see ghosts and stuff like that. Uh, combat's very simple. You unlock a uh, kind of uh, rogue dungeon combat thing at the end. Uh, unfortunately, one of the achievements is bugged uh, for the third secret ending, where you just go into the basement and hit a nuclear warhead till it explodes. Uh, so unfortunately, I was not able to get 100% of the achievements for this, but this is a game that very much, uh, with its sense of humor, just gives you all the achievements by the time you finish it otherwise. Uh, there's one tricky achievement to get that's involved in the uh, the combat trial thing at the end of the game, but I'm not going to waste my time. Not waste my time. I'm not going to go out of my way to get that trophy if that one trophy is bugged and I won't have 100% to show for it. So I left that game in the dust. Maybe it took me two hours, soup to nuts. Uh, but I recommend Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion if you are... Looking for a short-time experience, something a little witty, something a little colorful, something that tickles your brain just right, but not too much. Not not a yeah, huge challenge of a game. Uh, I recommend it. And I think they're a relatively new indie studio, so curious to see uh, if this game is a success, what they what they can kind of do. Because they got the right idea, I would say. So, Turnip Boy commits tax evasion. And that's literally the, po- the plot. You, uh, you are a turnip. You can't pay your taxes. Uh, the, the the joke being that the vegetables and stuff like that learned how to speak English and like read about human uh, culture and society. So the the vegetables now have a sense of like land ownership and charging each other taxes and stuff like that. It's pretty it's pretty fucking good. I uh, I recommend it. Anyway, Reed, yeah, tell me about Halo because I know that's all you've been playing. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm still playing DOS two on my stream. Um, but off stream I've been playing all the other Halos adjacent to you and me playing. Uh, Halo 3 co-op. Some would um, say the best Halo. Yeah, I, I there is a fair <laughs> amount of people that would say Halo 3 is the best Halo. Um, but yeah, I, I've been... So I played Halo Combat Evolved, and then I played Halo 2 Anniversary. Um, for, basically, for the first time for both of those games, for the campaigns at least, I played a lot of multiplayer of those games when I was a kid, but I didn't own an Xbox to sit down and play the campaigns uh, until I had a 360 and played Halo 3, of course. Um, but I was very pleasantly surprised by both games, more so with Halo 2. I actually just finished that last night. Um, Halo Combat Evolved is still a very fun game. Like, it's still classic Halo action. It doesn't feel like like the snappiness of the weapons, uh, the pacing of the campaign and stuff like that has changed a whole lot. The pacing of the campaign itself does get a little bit shittier towards, like, the last third of it, like, the last act. Um, specifically when the Flood show up in the first Halo Combat Evolved. Um, I absolutely love the reveal of the Flood and how they're presented in Halo 1, specifically. There is no there is no grave mind or, or big thing controlling this, this species. It's more like they're a force of nature in Combat Evolved. They're just like... Like, you didn't need an explanation of where the Flood came from. Kind of like... Like like an like an alien like an alien like it doesn't matter where they're coming from or if anything's controlling them they're just a destructive a wild animal yeah they're just a yeah. destructive force of nature that just comes through 
So that's all they were in Halo 1 is just like this horrible threat that needs to be stopped by the Halo rings. And it's not important where they come from or their origin or if anything controlling them. And that would... It'd be that's cool what if Game of Thrones did that with the, uh, with the zombies as well, right? There's no... No, there's an explanation. Punch this guy and they all die. <laughs> no, there's an explanation in Game of Thrones in season five when the children of the forest stick a knife in that dude. Anyway, and I fucking hated that. I fucking hated that. <laughs> but and, th- and that's the same reason why uh, a lot of people didn't like a thing in Halo 2, which is when they revealed the grave mine and he's talking to Chief and Arbiter because it uh, eliminates a lot of the mystery and like that like I said, that force of nature aspect of the of the flood, all of a sudden now they're like an intelligent species who has a goal and stuff like that. It's not like just this parasite that like you're trying everything you can do to stop it and there's nothing because it just keeps going. Um, but anyway, in Halo Comet Evolved, I love the reveal up until the flood. You start in a very, it's start in nighttime in a very swampy, foggy area and it gives a totally unique feel to the game, which is up until now have been in like, buildings and bright lit areas and beaches and stuff like that so you go through this really cool area and you start seeing like hallways drenched in blood very uh, akin to the gray fox boss fight leading up to gray fox and Metal Gear solid one with all the hallways just completely messed up you start seeing like goo and shit fall from the from the rooftop um you see some video footage of people like losing their mind you see one marine who you walk into a room and he starts shooting at you because he doesn't want to be taken away by the monsters and like obviously i know because you know i've played all the other games by now but um i could imagine like back in the day this being like a total like holy shit like is this becoming like kind of horror-ish and not that it ever goes full horror or anything like that but uh it was very very well done simplistic good reveal of the flood Everything you needed to know about them was right there. They're just a parasite that the Forerunners encountered long ago, and they had to make the Halo to stop them. That's how much of a threat they are. There is no, there was nothing else to them. It was, it was beauty in that simplicity. Um, however, the flood. How'd you like the ending of Halo Two? I have to ask. <laughs> oh, I'll, yeah, I'll get there. Um, yeah. how, however, the flood themselves mechanically are very uh, annoying, especially in Combat Evolved. They're very tough. They don't die to melee hits, and if you stick them with plasma grenades, they'll just run at you and kill you. And they can hit you on normal difficulty. I was playing on normal. They can hit you twice and you're dead, especially with the health system. So specifically the levels of the library and um, I want to say like Truth and Reconciliation or something like that. Or no, Two Betrayals, sorry. Um, There's very tight hallway levels that you have to get through and there's just tons of flood and they're not fun whatsoever. And that really soured me on the Halo Combat experience. experience. Um, But then I played Halo 2. Um, and yeah, the ending, I'll just go right to the ending for Halo 2. Um, I could see why people at the time were pissed because it is like the totalist, like it makes you feel like you really didn't accomplish all that much except for the elites separating from the covenant. Um, because chief leaves earth to go stop the covenant and then he just comes back to earth's orbit to finish the fight. And you're like, okay, so I didn't really actually do anything in this campaign. And I have to wait till the next game to fucking see what happens. It's even crazier that, like, there's three years between those games. Like, there's the Halo 2 ended, and then it was like, fuck. Like, a new console came out, and then, like, not ideal, I guess you would say. Yeah, like, I can absolutely see why that pissed a lot of people off. Because it's a total, like, it's a total tease. Like, it doesn't feel like an ending. It, It felt like one of those moments where you're like, oh, I'm done? Okay, I'm done. 
Like you beat This is where this game ends. Yeah, you beat <laughs> you beat Tartarus, who is a brute, uh pretty fucking easily with Arbiter, because you have a bunch of allies and you have a bunch of swords and you can just like kill them super easy, and then that's that's basically it. Um Halo two overall though was a vast improvement from Combat Evolved in almost all aspects. The weapon selection was bigger and better. Uh, it looked a hundred times better when you turn off anniversary mode. Even it still looks like much better than Combat Evolved did. Um, like they gave way more personality to Chief, uh, and especially Sergeant Johnson and Cortana became much more major characters, as well as introducing other major players like Miranda Keys, Lord Hood. Um, the like the settings that you go into from the cities of Mombasa to uh the Covenant High Charity main city, um, back to another Halo, like they're super varied. All the levels are incredibly fun. You got lots of flying levels, tank levels, um, corridor levels, like you name it. Uh and the vehicles also were just generally like this what this is the game that added all the secondary effects to vehicles and stuff like that as well. So it was just like like, this felt like, oh, this is Halo now. Like, this is... I could see why this, like, completely changed the landscape when it came out of first-person shooters and online gaming and stuff like that. Like, this is really well-done stuff here. Uh, and the OST that uh, 343 Remastered slash Remade is incredibly good. There was lots of uh, missions where the music started pumping. And it was, like, this weird like a mix of calming music with like electric guitar, early 2000s edginess that was just fucking perfect. So I enjoyed both of those games a lot. Uh, you and me are finishing up Halo 3 very shortly. We're on like the last yeah. level, I want to say. Uh, then we'll probably be playing ODST at some point. It sounds like it. That's the plan. Yeah, and then I'll be playing Halo 4 by myself because uh, that's like one of the only other Halos I haven't played. And then I'm probably... Is, uh, does, hmm? does Reach have crossplay? Reach, not yet. But I would okay. love it if it did. I've only played the campaign for Reach once before, but I really enjoyed it. Um, and then at some point, I need to borrow the Xbox from uh, somebody here for lunch hours so I can play fucking Halo 5 Guardians. <laughs> oh, woohoo. Yeah. No, I really want to. I like it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Play it and then, then tell me what you think. All right. That's, uh, that's the Halo Minute. Uh, or or five uh, from this week. Uh, have you played anything other than Halo, or has it just been Halo campaign or bust? Uh, me and Maggie are um, getting finished with Wonderlands. Like much like you, like there's just parts of the games where I'm like, I can't fucking stand that everybody keeps talking. Just let me go play the fucking game, please. Uh, so I often have something in the background going, so I can listen to that instead. Yeah, I've I've almost like it's insane. I've uh, basically turned the vo- the voices off in that game, and I'll just have like a YouTube video playing or something. Yeah, uh, and then I'll I'll go to walk away, and I'll realize that oh no, oh no, they're still t- they're still fucking talking. And then like you read some of the dialogue, and you're like, yeah, well that's why I'm skipping it. And they just keep keep fucking go. You get to the town, uh, and then you unlock like the the upgrade station and all that stuff the first time, and it's just like the bunch of just I, uh, you know, Borderlands has always kind of been that, uh, but it feels extra obnoxious. Uh, yeah, in this be- one but because they haven't yeah. moved on in nine years from their humor style. Like it's been the same the entire time. Like what's what it's has rough. been fu- 
what has been funny in 2012 is no longer funny in 2022. Yeah, I guess 10 years. Yeah. Fuck. You know what's funny in 2022? Turn up boy commits tax evasion. It sounds like a meme, but then you go and play it and you're like, this is adorable. So yeah. my recommendation again to that. Wonderlands, I, only if you like Borderlands. Yeah, and I guess the only other thing I plan to play is, once again, Deus Ex Mankind Divided because of the big news, which I'm sure we'll be going over. Oh, yeah. But, oh, uh, I got some tabs open. Yeah, here. it's uh, an excellent other than that, game. I'm trying to wrap up both Pokemon releases uh, from the past year, oh uh, which would God. be Shining Pearl and Legends Arceus. Uh, Legends Arceus, I was basically done when Elden Ring came out, uh, but for obvious reasons, I, I, I didn't fire it up. I didn't do both games at the same time. Yeah, fuck going uh, So I'll back go back and finish that, that after. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shining Pearl, I just uh, caught Palkia, and now I'm catching the... Uh, the uh, the three psychic f- friends in the in the lakes, uh, the Palkia yeah. thing. So Team Galactic, uh, who who appears of course in in Legends Arceus, you you fucking work for them more or less. Um, the, his his guy's plan, my, my man's plan is he makes a red chain to harness the power of Palkia or Dialga, uh, who represent time and space. And he's going to recreate the world in in his own image that so he can be gone. It's very, this is like peak. They're just ramping up this part of the storyline and uh, tying in the, uh, basically tying in the criminal faction, uh, who are no longer a criminal faction. They're they're basically t- trying to take over the fucking planet they're at terrorists. this point. Uh, they're yeah, they're t- ter- that's terror. Uh, they <laughs> they're planning to recreate the world. As like a crime world, and then tying in the legendary Pokemon and the origin myth of of Sinnoh with with that, it just it didn't work for me then, and it doesn't work for me now. It's here, jumping here the sh- it as a- yeah, it's jumping the shark for Pokemon. Like Pokemon, I think we talked about this before, is at its best when the stakes are like decently low. Uh, like <laughs> I Reddit- can understand Giovanni being like, we steal the Pokemon, we make the money. I don't understand the, I have hundreds of followers, I'm going to remake the world yeah. uh, from the bottom up, like, and, uh, like uh, I am Jesus. It and I, can, I could understand that from perspective of someone who's played a lot of anime, who played a lot of anime, who's watched a lot of anime or played, played a, lot a lot of anime in my time. Or played a lot of anime-based, like, JRPGs that often have, like, a dude that's, like, like, even Sephiroth, for example, he's like, I'm going to, like, send a meteor down to Earth so it creates a giant wound, then I'll jump in the wound and suck up all the juices, and all of a sudden I'll be God. And you're like, okay, I don't question that. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So in that regard, that's, like, I, I understand the concept behind <laughs> it. But like I said, I just think it's completely jumping the shark for a Pokemon game. Like, just yeah. like like just like the Pokemon show when you're watching it. You like the side stories, the little adventures that you have each, like, new town that you enter. Maybe they have their own individual problem. But, like, yeah, it's it's better when the stakes are low and you're not trying to kill God and save Earth. Because uh, it always <laughs> just feels completely over the top. It always feels generic, especially, like, you do it in 20 other video games. So, or complete... in the case of Pokemon, you, ca- you capture God, and then yeah, what does that right. make you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> God, yeah. I choose you. <laughs> the best part about like the way it is is like you do it before you get your eighth badge, right? So you you catch Palkia, <laughs> then it's like, all right, well, uh, uh, back to my my Pokemon journey and the Pokemon League. It all seems kind of right. frivolous and, now that we know that. Yeah, and in the old games, it was like, okay, I stopped the I stopped the evil bad guy from like illegally selling slowpoke tails. Now I can finish my Pokemon journey, and the Pokemon journey seems much more important. 
Yeah, you know what it is? It's uh, you go out of your way to stop criminals from harming Pokemon versus you go out of your way to stop criminals using Pokemon to try to take over the planet. Yeah. Or, or it's it's too big. It's too big of a scale. Yeah. Uh, that being said, uh, you know, Diamond and Pearl remakes are fine. The layout of that map is uh, generally one of the, I think, the better, more balanced Pokemon worlds yeah. uh, in terms of having that big mountain in the middle that you kind of keep going back through and, and traversing different parts of it throughout. I think the Pokemon mix, the actual mix of Pokemon that you have available to you as you go through that game sucks. Like, I think Gen 4 is awful for that. Uh, some of the new Pokemon designs are, are fine, sure, but the, the actual variety is is severely lacking uh, for what for what it's worth. Um, that being said, that game's, I, I saw, it was floating around Twitter uh, yesterday, someone made like a, uh, oh, you, you want to you wanna live in the Pokemon world? And then it's just like, you know, you're in a cave and you find some shit and you're like, oh, sick. And then this, like someone rendered a realistic looking Onyx coming out of the cave and then attacking you. And uh, in the comments, it was just people going off that they could take the Onyx because of his base 45 attack stat. Like, he's not even a big deal. Uh, that made me laugh. <laughs> it's just like, he's a fucking bitch. Fuck him. He's not even EV uh, Just squirt him, him with a water gun. He's, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Pokemon Arceus, Legends, Arceus, uh, they do some things near the end of that game with some, like, puzzle solve kind of bits. I don't know how far you got into that game, but... Like, I'm on, like, the third island or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, you can... If you mainline the the main story thing and don't do the side questy stuff, you can get through it pretty pretty damn right, quick. Right, that's I'm the whole point the of, of that. That's the whole point of playing Legends Arceus, though, is just to constantly catch Pokemon and increase your rank, though, right? Yeah, which is fun. Like the loop of that, I found enjoyable. I find it as a a like it's not something that I I can see them putting in a mainstream Pokemon game, even though that might be the case with Scarlet and Violet coming out. Um, yeah, like kind I of a hybrid game. Yeah, I never ever want a main game to be like, oh, you have to catch 300 fucking Pokemon just to be able to use level 80 Pokemon. I no, never, but that being said, that. the way the Pokemon appear and like the rarity of them, I, I wouldn't mind. Like if I start up Scarlet and it's just like, here's a bunch of Starlies and you can just whip balls at them and catch 10 of them in, in 20 seconds and then compare their... Yeah, I'm, uh, fine, I'm fine with yeah. that. I just don't want the hard requirements of like the, the fucking endless grind that that game is where it's like you can catch 500 Pokemon and you don't level up one of your ranks. Like I don't want it to be that grindy. What I've always liked about main series Pokemon is, no, you can just catch six Pokemon and play the game with those six. That's fine. Yeah, Arceus isn't that. Arceus is very much, yeah. the, we're making the first Pokedex, we need 30 of this. Yes, exactly. Um, but at least beaming the Pokemon in the head with the ball I, has not gotten old. Like, it's, it's, perfectly, it's perfectly fine. It's a good, it's a good loop. Uh, that's Pokemon. That's where we're at. So... Uh, we haven't really seen much other than the reveal of Scarlet and Violet, so we don't know a ton of what's coming down the pipe from Nintendo, or what's coming down the pipe from Nintendo in general, uh, as their, you know, their latter part of the year remains kind of a mystery. Uh, they just released their Nintendo Switch Sports uh, reports that people are busting their TVs, I'm sure they are, uh, but le let's let's be honest here, uh, it's on you at this point, like we, oh, yeah. we went through this 15 years ago, like, fucking strap that shit on or grip it. Yeah, uh, I don't want to hear. The game tells you. Yeah, I don't want to hear any excuses. And take breaks every hour. Uh, other than that, they have uh, the Live Alive, uh, Live Alive, Live Alive, Live Alive, Five Alive. 
uh, a game coming out. Uh, they've got uh, Splatoon 3. They've got that Fire Emblem Warriors. They've got a Mario soccer game. Uh, so Nintendo, more or less, a write-off for us uh, for the rest of the year. Oh, yeah. I never announced. give a fuck about Nintendo <laughs> with their fucking 2002 online service. Yeah, uh, we'll be back for Pokemon. Uh, and then, of course, if they if this long-rumored Zelda Wind Waker and Twilight Princess re-release happens on Switch, I will play Wind Waker again. Sure, sure I will. <laughs> yeah, of course uh, they'll the release fucking... the fucking Skyrim of the Zelda series. What What is the... Well, the Skyrim of the Zelda series is fucking Breath of the Wild now. No, I meant in the sense of, like, it just keeps getting releases, even though it's it just keeps coming. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, if you if you single out any Zelda game, it's just like they've they've re-released it on most. Like Twilight Princess came out on GameCube, Wii, Wii U, uh, and and supposedly now Switch. Like they Ocarina of Time's on everything. Like if you include the online services and stuff like that, like they uh, they've they've sometimes they do it in a uh, strange like pre-order bonus way on the GameCube, which is like Ocarina of Time is technically on GameCube, but you had to fucking pre-order Wind Waker to get it. So bizarre. Anyway. I digress. We have news. Let's talk about Square Enix. Let's do it. Okay. They, uh... They're in the news for a lot of reasons. <laughs> this, this week. We'll start with uh, Yuji Naka, uh, Sonic's, one of Sonic's many fathers, uh, went off on social media, which is something that rarely happens in the video game industry and very rarely happens in uh, the Japanese side of the video game industry. You would expect, get, like, could you imagine if Hideo Kojima just jumped on Twitter one day and he's just like, the embargo's up, I can talk all the shit I want about Konami without uh, legal recourse. So here's the whole story of what happened with Metal Gear Solid 5. I could that, believe that, yes. Uh, so Yuji Naka comes out and he basically states that Balan Wonderland, uh, I thought it was Balan Wonderworld. Like, who gives a oh, shit? Anyway, a that shit. game was published by Square Enix, uh, came out for full price, and was not a good game. Uh, it, it is a like 3D platformer kind of collect-a-thon kind of game uh, that had all kinds of problems outside of... Uh, he, he states here that like Square basically kicked him off the project six months in. He started a lawsuit with them and then really couldn't talk about anything or respond to social media posts asking about it. His name was still associated with it, but they fucking put this thing out and it was like unfinished, et cetera, et cetera. You know, they did a Square Enix on it basically. Uh, but, but he goes on to basically say that like, hey, if I had still, if I had still been on there, like the game wouldn't have been released in the state it is. But he, he kind of seems to imply that the game is bad because it's unfinished and was kind of glitchy. Whereas this game, compared to the standard state of games that are released in 2022-2021, uh, that's not necessarily its core issue. But it is absolutely fascinating to see this Twitter thread of him just going off and saying, Hey, Square Enix doesn't really care about gamers. Like, they're, they're releasing unfinished games knowingly. This is this is their practices, etc., etc. Then, uh, after the weekend concludes, we hear that Embracer Group based out of Europe. Embracer Group uh, is related to THQ the Nordic. Nordic Games, uh, Koch Media, Coach Media, whatever you want to call them, uh, group, uh, THQ Nordic, that, that whole shebang. They're kind of the hedge fund. They're kind of the, uh, the, the guys at the top of the totem pole. They're the ones holding all these IPs and stuff like that. They're the, the ones doing the business deals. Square Enix has sold a ton of their Western uh, IPs for uh, a pittance uh, to embrace a group, well, including uh, Eidos, Crystal Dynamics, uh, and Square Enix Montreal for $300 million. This includes IPs such as Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, uh, Thief, Legacy of Kane, and more. Yes, but I think, and this is just, 
I cannot confirm this whatsoever. It was just comments I was seeing. But apparently, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and the Avengers game took on a lot of debt due to them not selling to the expectations of Square Enix compared to their budget and stuff like that. Yeah, at the so, fault of Square Enix. Yeah, yeah, so apparently Embracer took on or paid off that debt in some form. So some people are speculating maybe the deal was closer to $600 million when all was said and done. But either way, that is still a really good deal considering the franchises they have picked up, such as Tomb Raider, which I think sold like 18 million copies, like its remake back in the day. Yeah, it's like that that tri- trilogy was uh, diminishing returns, but they it, it made money. People will buy a Tomb Raider game if it is yeah, good, and right? P- yeah, and Deus Ex, once again, sold like, I think like 8 million cop, 12 million copies between the two games over the years. And like, they're not like, super duper high budget games compared to other ones um and they've always gotten good reviews so like as long as you like churn out good sequels to these games which have been on the shelf for years people will buy them and play them and like them like deus ex fans including myself have been waiting for the follow-up to mankind divided for fucking years it's been like six years now i think speaking of games that have open-ended endings yeah (laughs) But yeah, so it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's mostly good news. The fact that it's THQ Nordic does leave me a little apprehensive because they don't have, like, a fucking a lineup of really stellar titles that you can point to, unfortunately. But, uh, well, they're not, just, they're not just buying the IPs to be made by their existing developers. They, bu- they got the studios. Yeah, so, like, yeah. so that's what I'm hoping yeah. is that they'll just be like, all right, Eidos, like, we own you, but we're going to let you mostly run independent. Just make a kick-ass deus ex game with this budget by um that's what i'm hoping um i think there's a lot of people out there that want another thief game like there that's a very dedicated fan base even though the bethesda one was not received very well um but the people that love those games love those games you could bring it back to a more lower budget title for thief i'm sure if you really wanted to it doesn't need to be a triple a game um Wrap, wrap your mind around this shit uh, mm-hmm. Once this deal goes through, Embracer will have more than 14,000 employees, 10,000 game developers, and 124 internal studios. It is also confirmed that more than 230 games are in development at those studios, and more than 30 are AAA titles. Holy shit. Yeah, so they're, they're launching their own console. Yeah, apparently they're <laughs> really going for it. Um, but no, I think, like, as long as Deus Ex and these games are out of Square Enix hands, because they were never going to make sequels to them, I'm, I'm generally pretty happy. So they would never be the thing with Square Enix is they would never be satisfied with those games sales in any respect. And they they seem inept uh, in terms of positioning their games or or having realistic expectations for what they're getting out of the, like something like Avengers was completely mis messaged uh, and and executed on. Like oh, right. there's there's no How- doubt that that same team could make an excellent Avengers game. If if just told to make the best Avengers game they right. could, but there was like clearly how, a emphasis on cosmetics and yeah yeah. And how many people on release for Avengers were like, I don't understand. Is this a single player game? Is it like a Destiny clone? Is it this? Is it that? Um, and then also, I think just Square Enix thought, oh, it's the Avengers. It made three hundred bajillion dollars in the theaters. So just by proxy of calling this the Avengers video game, we will get. Like, at least half of that, like, 200 yeah. bajillion 
dollars, and you're like, and then no. that fucking Avengers game basically like aped the sales of that Guardians of the Galaxy game because people thought it was the same thing, and it's fucking not right. Um, and so. and that, that's the thing they failed to understand. I think especially about I don't want to say especially, but like they learn even like they learned with Final Fantasy like thirteen or like Final Fantasy twelve even to a lesser degree or Final Fantasy fifteen to an even more degree, like. Like, people are so dedicated to the Final Fantasy franchise that even though these games are subpar compared to their earlier titles, they keep buying them and keep selling well. So they're like, okay, so the IP works, so why does it work with Avengers? And it's like, well, there's no prior Avengers game that built up the trust that your fan base requires. There wasn't, like, eight great Avengers games in a row leading up to Avengers 9 that was a big pile of shit. Um, so like classically gamers, if the first game is shit, if it doesn't have enough content, which Avengers didn't, if it had subpar story, which Avengers did, uh, as soon as that game is done, they're not going to play it anymore. And then word of mouth gets out especially fast for video games where if like most people generally agree on the quality of video games, like there's not a lot of debate as, as opposed to like a movie or something like that. If a lot of people say, this game is shit and doesn't have enough content. Most people will take that for what it's worth. Uh, so the word of mouth for Avengers absolutely harmed that game because everybody heard, like from you and me, a lot of people heard from you and me, this game is fucking shit. It doesn't have enough content. Yeah. So no and one we played, played we played several hours more than I would say we'd be required to, to yeah. give that opinion. Like, we, like we, we, yeah. looked, we looked under every rock. And like you said, <laughs> that, and look what happened with... Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy because it was another Square Enix game because it was another Marvel title. People assumed it is an Avengers like kind of game and no one played it because of that. The fact that it was like a four person party also and like the trailers didn't really reflect that didn't help or anything like that. Um, but yeah, Square Enix absolutely are shooting themselves in their own foot for having unrealistic sales expectations very poor marketing and like ability to reach your customer as a, as far as what the game is and then just like it carries over like you said cuz Guardians by all account was a great game so going back to Final Fantasy 14 not Realm Reborn but the original release like Final Fantasy 14 Realm Reborn has gone on to be one of the most successful MMOs of all time uh, yeah. of, of the modern age absolutely maybe it is number 1 with a bullet but that's after Square Enix released an updated MMO. So Final Fantasy XI was was fine. It was it, it was waning in that. Yeah, it had it had reached its peak already. Sure, people still play that fucking game. But they they went to make the upgrade. They went to make the game they thought the people who are playing Final Fantasy XI would want to move on to, and they fucking dropped the ball so fucking hard that the solution was to scrap it, almost work it up from the ground up, and get the Final Fantasy XI devs to fucking rescue that game. And lo and behold, look where we are now. And like they learned, they learned nothing from that. They they went on to make Final Fantasy fifteen and etc. And just be like taking taking the wrong lessons along the way, mostly because their best selling games like fucking Kingdom Hearts are devoid, so devoid of quality in script writing and gameplay, but sell so well that they they seem completely oblivious to what a good video game even is anymore. I've, I've been saying this about Square Enix for fucking years. They're one of my least favorite publishers. Like, they've got all this IP, and they it's just diminishing returns. I play less and less Square Enix games every fucking year. Um, 
like the, their name as a publisher on a game now basically to me says just like okay corners were cut let's get a full price product out into the fucking wild here yeah and, and it's quality could be wildly varying yes yeah but 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 by no it's it there's no rhyme or reason why something would like a final fantasy 16 which is apparently in the final stages of development i'm sure that game will look great uh have they learned anything about the gameplay, what people want from it? Like, they've gone back to, to turn-based. They've done that in 13. 13 sold exceptionally well because it had been so long since the Final Fantasy came out uh, and it was on a new console and stuff like that. But that that did not mean they needed to spin it off into its own series of three games, each of which sold worse than the one before and was kind of critically panned. Like... They, I don't know what to think of Square Enix anymore. I, I, is Final Fantasy 16 going to be good? It could just as easily be awful. Right. And like, what will that a, mean? Like, there was a time when I've said to you, like, I, like, I have to commend Square Enix because they never do the same thing twice. Like, every Final Fantasy is always a different game. But at some point, you got to be like, like, dude, your most successful Final Fantasies are when you have a full party of fun colorful interesting characters that all develop and then a simple to understand uh but high like i should say high skill ceiling a simple to understand battle system and stuff like that it's weird that they've never gone back to what works for them when every other studio is content doing the same thing year after year and making a lot of money like i I don't understand their thought process behind that (laughs) like why do they keep changing final fantasy it's just like, it's a good and a bad thing for me personally, but, yeah, like, the thing for 16, for me personally, that I'm worried about is just, like, like you guys haven't nailed a Final Fantasy story in a long, and I can't speak for 14 because I haven't played it. But It's like the you, most story, and it's, like, I, I'll always say 11 and 14 are, are still really great Final Fantasy stories, just the amount of time and gameplay and, and shit like that to, to actually squeeze that shit out of there is is too much. It's an MMO. Like, yeah, you like, have to... Like, you always hear when people talk about Final... Like, what I want... Like, I just think their script work has gone to shit, and that's mostly because they keep giving games to fucking Nomura, and he puts belts on people and talk... Like, whatever. That's all he does. Like, yeah. I like the FF10 a lot. It's my favorite <laughs> game of all time. But everything else that he's done, I just can't stand it. Um, but, yeah, it, it's interesting because there hasn't been a Final Fantasy that, like, you always hear about people are like, oh, man, I love Final Fantasy VII so much, made me cry. I love Final Fantasy VIII so much. Like, I have this big thing with it. You haven't heard that about, about 12, 13, 15. I love 12. I'm just saying people don't revere it in the same way they do the earlier ones. Strangely, they wouldn't go back to what works for them. Um, and instead of, like, trying to just rectify their biggest IPs, they just decide to sell all their Western ones, put all their all their chips in one bag. It's going to be interesting to see if Kingdom Hearts 4 and Final Fantasy... Chips in one bag. <laughs> I don't know how that's to... Not, that's not an the, expression. It is now. Yeah, it is now. Put all their chips in one bag, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Pop the It's, in, it's going to be interesting yeah. to see if Final Fantasy 16 and Kingdom Hearts 4 don't sell... Uh, to their expectations, and they won't oh, really oh, have Kingdom any... Hearts Four will sell. Don't worry. <laughs> they don't have anything else to like back up on. You know what I mean? Like, like when Avengers wasn't doing good, they were just like, ah, oh, it's Idos. Like they didn't make it good enough. Well, they also just released that Babylon's Fall game, which oh, is, is pile of apparently shit. just complete ass shit. So, um, There's they like... didn't sell all of their Western IPs. They kept, I think, the uh, Life is Strange IP, and they kept Outriders of all fucking things. Well, Outriders, I guess, is kind of like a live service game, sort of. 
Um, well, it never was meant to be, but then people were like, oh, I wish this game would have DLC, and now they're doing it. They're, they're doing a DLC for that game that was basically shipped, finished, uh, which is, you know, a, a rare concept these days. That's just a game that's just like, hey, here's a loot-based game that ends, and there's no other stuff planned for it. Square Enix very clearly, desperately wants something like Destiny that's like a faux MMO that's not Final Fantasy XIV Final Fantasy that they can keep pumping DLC into, and you think, like, Final Fantasy would be perfect for that. Like, you can just spin that off into a single-player experience, and it would be fine. Like, Stranger of Paradise, for example, of all fucking games, uh, which I'm going to get back to eventually. Uh, the job system and the loot system in there is great, actually. Like, it's fine. Like, if that's what you're looking for in a Final Fantasy game, that, that game's got it. Put on a fedora and a fucking samurai armor and call it a day, man. Um, all over the place. All fucking all, all over the place. That's all I, I can guess, say about I guess. That. Yeah, I guess my overall point for Square Enix is mostly I wish they would stop focusing on trying to do you new unique things, whether it's their Final Fantasy titles, whether it's NFTs, like whether it's Well that's yeah, that's the other part is like Babylon Falls and I just want them to sit down and focus on like like look at all these other games that are critically acclaimed and with that critical acclaim comes fan love and with that fan love comes future investment in our future titles like it builds people wanting to invest in your company yeah well they uh they they've decided to sell off these IPs and then apparently pretty publicly stated that uh we're looking to get into the blockchain big time a industry that NFTs and shit that's just losing money hand over fist as the days go on um like good for you, Square. You're you're always keep hitting them out of the park. Yeah, keep Square. hitting them home runs, Square Enix. <laughs> Those home runs, Square Enix. Uh, the, yeah, and, and like the studios they got rid of are very talented. Crystal Dynamics, Idos, uh, and the and the fucking people over in Montreal there are are perfectly competent uh, game devs uh, that can can accomplish a lot. I think with a with a little. So I all the best to them uh, as they've been embraced by the Embracer Group. Um, Real quick here before we we uh, call it a day. Have you looked into Overwatch Two at all? No. So the only things I've heard about Overwatch Two is that like people played the beta and hated it because apparently it's essentially like a mid-sized DLC for Overwatch One, and yeah. there hasn't been a content drop for Overwatch One in a long time allegedly. So that's basically the only thing I've heard. I haven't had the desire to play Overwatch in like over a year. So, so first and foremost. You have the announcement of this game, and then in between that and this, you have all the bullshit that's been going on in Activision Blizzard, right? Yeah. Then you have the what they've shown of Overwatch 2 be very confusing. They're like, we're going to have a PvE mode, and that's going to be maybe the focus of this game. And then people who have the previous game c- can play certain modes in this game, but if they want the PvE and the loot, or like, we're making a mini Destiny for the Overwatch characters. People like those Overwatch characters. They like watching 3D models of them have sex with each other on the internet. <laughs> uh, that's their bread and butter. But what they've released here as a beta is a PvP beta uh, with, with some new characters, and of course they're changing around kind of the group dynamics of the game. So you have the people who are interested in this would be the people who are still fucking playing Overwatch 1, and they're out there. They're all around us, Reed. Uh, and they're jumping into this thing and being like, it's different and not in a good way. Why would I want Overwatch 2 anymore? Uh, and it seems like a weird thing for them to even release this beta, which they don't need to. Their servers are fine. They know shit works. What is the purpose of releasing something that's kind of 
not what what you're trying to sell the new game based on, you know? Yeah. Uh, and and people have just kind of spun off of it. Like it's just been like, okay, uh, if I like Overwatch, I'm probably just going to keep playing Overwatch one. Uh, but the the bent of of this as an esports juggernaut, like Activision Blizzard, won't give up on that. And they want to. I don't know, man. It seemed like Overwatch One was just a game that you could just keep putting modes into and elaborating on. Uh, yeah, saying that you're going to do a Overwatch Two flat like flat out sequel, uh, and and have a different focus, but still try to bring in these people who just like the PvP esports yeah, aspect it's of conf- it. It's confusing yeah. as fuck to me. I don't under- super confusing. I don't yeah. understand what the fuck Overwatch Two is like. Like I've heard that it's like. It's, it includes the Overwatch 1 PvP, but then it adds on that PvE mode. So technically, people who own Overwatch 1 will be automatically upgraded to the Overwatch 2 version of PvE, but PvP, but it's the exact same thing. Only like, it isn't, because they changed the job dynamic. They changed like, yeah, the, the... So does yeah. that change retroactively Overwatch 1? Like, yeah, I don't understand it personally. I think it's confusing as fuck. It's, it's very strange. They should have just said. They should have just said, "Fuck it." Here's Overwatch Two, new PVP mode, an additional new PVE mode. Here's your game. Like, like, Here why it make is. it complicated? Just fucking release a new game. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It's very weird. Uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two is coming. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm interested to see. Um, like, I, I'm pretty sure. I don't. I don't know 100 about this, but like, I don't know how the Vanguard um, Warzone is doing. But I had, I've had very little desire to play it. Um, I don't enjoy the World War II setting anymore in video games. It's done. Well, that's what Activision is blaming on the awful sales of Vanguard. They said gamers are done with World War II. It, it's so nice uh, that we have the privilege of stating such a thing. Uh, <laughs> Like, yeah, you went back to the well too many times, but to phrase it as just like gamers just just bored of World War Two is so fucking weirdly tone deaf. Uh, on top of like still releasing games based on that, like fuck's sake, man. Like, anyway, yes, set it in the near future. Do Modern Warfare. That last one did very very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just do a soft reboot to a game that's barely ten years old. Makes sense to me. I don't know. Yeah, like why can't we have one that's like here's slightly future. <laughs> warfare where it's just like you know like 10 years in the future so you get some more techie stuff but it's not too far gone that hasn't been tapped I mean, that's yet what they, were, they were doing advanced warfare and they were doing like those games were fine i thought even the campaigns in those those games were cool and it was like cool to have the extra mobility and stuff like that but then they uh, if you must release one every year like the changes will always be minuscule and the main thing you can change is the setting and that will just be the case right yeah so seems weird Seems weird. It seems like Warzone's the way to go. If you're a Call of Duty fan, just play that Warzone game now at this point, yep. and uh, spend your spend your time there because that will be the game that's still around in five years. Versus, you know, unless they do Warzone Two, we're adding PVE. I think they are doing uh, Warzone Two for the new game. Oh, who the fuck knows? Uh, they got to do something to get that fucking file size down. Uh, well, I was going to talk about the Sonic Origins and how Sega's kind of weirdly botching that a little bit, but <laughs> we're out of time. Oh uh, no! Yeah, so Sonic is going to have to wait. <laughs> Listen, man. I, I don't know if you saw that, like that fucking spreadsheet uh, matrix of like what you get when you buy certain versions of that fucking Sonic game, and the fact that they're delisting previously released versions of the Sonic game, which is fucking massive because they re-release that game fucking everywhere at any time. It's crazy. It's crazy. 
at Iceberg Podcast is us on Twitter. LeahTizzyIceberg.com is my email address. Send us questions, topics, things you might want to have discussed on the show. Uh, go on YouTube, Bonestorm Dorse, uh, to see all of Reed's uploads from his streams, as well as our playthrough of Halo 3 with more to come. Ray Ray Oren is Reed on Twitch, and he's uh, he's on there playing fucking video games. So yeah, man. If you want to hang out, say hello. Uh, for myself, Lee, and for Reed, that's going to be it. So uh, have a great week. Enjoy the weather if you're a local listener. And we'll talk to you again next week.